Welcome to We Empower, a podcast brought to you by UN Women. Join our roundtable discussion with inspirational actors on the push for gender equality and women empowerment in Uganda. What have we achieved and what is left to be done? We invite you to join us as we delve into the trailblazing commitment to break the barriers to gender equality in Uganda. Good afternoon. Welcome to episode three of the We Empower podcast brought to you by UN Women Uganda. Joining us today morning is Dr. Maxime Winacho, who used to be the former country representative at the Kampala office, but is now the regional director for East and Southern Africa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So the first question that we would like to dive into is regarding the growth of the organization in Uganda. We've seen um, a lot of progress and a lot of growth from Mionimen in Uganda and some of the interventions that have been implemented. So we wanted to ask, in your opinion, do you think the Uganda office can be an example of um, gender progression when gender is financed, especially the kind of gender financing that focuses on the issues of a particular society? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I think uh, to understand uh, the progress that we have witnessed in Uganda, you also have to understand the global and the national context. Uh, globally, we were in a period where there's a shrinking of uh, donor interest in, in gender, even though uh, um, donors have been funding development in general, when you zoom into the proportion of uh, the funding and the programs that look into uh, gender, uh, you have a very, very, very few percentage. Like uh, when you look at foundations and the private sector, it's also like in the same proportion or a little bit more. But so overall, funding for the SDG goal five has been moderate or small. Uh, which is concerning, given that without goal five, which is the gender equality goal, the other goals will not be uh, met uh, at appropriate level. When you look at Uganda as well, you will see we are in a context where we have a very traditional and conservative society where uh, patriarchy is, is, is prevalent and where opportunities uh, for women uh, is like moderate or minimum. So in that context, what happens at UN Women between uh, the period that we are looking at, like the last 10 years, has been like tremendous. Efforts or results have been achieved in terms of uh, giving opportunities to women. In politics, in terms of representation, uh, the country has reserved seats for women, which is something that other countries are looking to do. Uh, even in education, in the tertiary education, this is one of the rare countries that have given privilege to women to access to the, 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 the greatest university in the country like Makerere. You know, so yes. these type of representation and aim, you know, efforts by governments to increase women's representation have been very, very important. You look at legislation, the countries has made jump 
in terms of transforming that traditional society little by little into a more modern society where you look at bills like a succession bill, uh, sexual offense bill, you know, have a series of parliaments uh, over that period, maybe two or three legislations during that period that have invested in transforming the social fabric of the country. So when you look economically as well, there have been investments uh, to support business women, uh, where even government have tried to buy from women, like this kind of uh, procurement act, like by government. Uh, you look at the social sector, like Ministry of Justice, some efforts have been done to cut down on the backlog of violence against women cases and provide support to the police, to the justice, to the medical sector, to the all those models of uh, bringing women within the core of the country's development have to be put uh, 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 to the uh, benefits of the, of, of the government. Now, what is interesting before we look at upscaling is to see what are the parameters that cause that growth and that achievement. And I can see leadership in government that is very, very important. The president himself, has sponsored the he for she campaign. He has decided to lead how men uh, can invest in gender equality. That's something very, very important that we could come back to if you are interested. The second thing in the UN is coordination. We've seen like an increased role of the UN uh, in investing for women and taking the support of UN women within the UN. You will see, for instance, that UN women are staffing in the ANSYS office, are staffing in the field, not for itself, but for other UN agencies in them supporting how they integrate gender, either in agriculture, in development, in climate, and, and, and that harmony within the UN family with two UN women has been something tremendous. And I have to commend the two RCs that I met. One is Rosa, the other one is Susan, for their personal leadership in supporting uh, UN women's role. The third one is the donors. It's very critical for donors to understand what the UN is trying to do in terms of gender equality. And we have that atmosphere in Uganda. And the importance of that donorship First of all, flexibility. We need to have money that is flexible enough to respond to the emerging situations. Number two, reliability. Reliability means that in year in, year out, we need to know how much we have for the next two, three, etc. years that are coming. That is very, very important. Number three, donors understanding of content. In Uganda, there's that interesting atmosphere between donors and the UN, not on funding, but on understanding how change happens in Uganda and how we do business in Uganda and do social transformation in Uganda. Number four, you have that civil society, private sector engagement that will complement what the UN is doing, what the donors are funding and what government is doing. That blend is the secret for the success that we have in Uganda. However, it will not be right to think that we have achieved what we set to achieve in Uganda. There's gap. Okay. And, and that gap is so critical because the way patriarchy is rooted in the country, the way in the DNA of people, 
It's not just men, even women have integrated the idea that women are behind. So to transform that and to help women organizations, great women organizations in Uganda, to achieve that, we need an important role for men and men in power, men that has capacity. Thank you so much. Um, now, on the topic of men engagement and men involvement, I know that a lot of our listeners would love to understand exactly the place of male engagement in furthering the intervention for women empowerment. Well, um, it's not, uh, to be honest, uh, a lot of people have said that it's very hard to have a privilege and to get rid of that privilege yourself. Yes. That is the situation that men found themselves in. Like to say, they say that you have power and you say, no, I don't want, please take it. So <laughs> that makes it <laughs> difficult for men to engage into uh, gender equality. That's why I was praising leadership from the private sector, leadership from government in terms of how men in government have been investing in gender equality. And to support that process, UN Women has um, materialized in Uganda, domesticated in Uganda, the global he for she campaign. Now we say, how do we talk to our people? How do we engage our men? And when I look at men in Uganda and the, what we have done, we have three areas, men in government, men in private sector, and men in the development community. Uh, before we look at men at the traditional level, and I'm coming back to that. So when you look at uh, uh, donors and government and the private sector, what we've done is that we have established in the country the um, high-level forum for positive masculinity. That forum was made up of prominent men in the country. People in the private sector, we are talking about the chairman of the private sector foundation, you know, ambassadors in the country, ministers and the president, you know, head of UN agencies that came together to say, okay, we are men, we have power, or at least we have influence. Let's use that influence for the benefits of women. From the understanding that gender equality is not just for women, but it's also for men and the benefit of the country. We started a campaign called Men at Work for Gender Equality. And, and that campaign, a very interesting campaign that has four modalities. The first dimension is men at the workplace. What are men that have power as CEO or as head of the government department doing concretely in the framework of the workplace to improve the working condition, the living conditions of women in the world. Very, very important. Number two, work men in town. So after men in the workplace, you have men in town. Like in town, meaning in public space, how are men behaving in the transport system, in the market system, in the entertainment system, what are men doing to ensure that women are not suffering, okay? Sometimes people don't engage into violence, but they, they are bystanders not doing anything. 
So the idea is that, no, we know that you are a good man in town, but when you see other bad men in town, what do you do to come to the rescue of women? Number three, men at home. Men at home, meaning in the domestic space, in the household, how are men portraying good behavior, uh, attacking or reducing patriarchy in their household, violence, domestic violence, etc., etc. And last but not least, men in self. Uh, they look at how men inside their psyche are doing to ensure that they are okay with engaging in, in, uh, in uh, gender equality. And we work with the Ugandan Sports Association, the Ugandan Boxing Federation. We work with the Ugandan police to reportray the image of a strong man in country so that we know that you are a strong man when you respect uh, women. So that campaign is, uh, is something, as you said, that deserves to be scaled up at the regional level. And in my position as regional director, this is something that I want to export from Uganda. I spoke to government, I spoke to the UN, and I spoke to the private sector, and they are happy from Uganda to support what we can be doing at the East and Southern Africa and broader inside the whole continent. To, uh, to show the Ugandan model and to also show the challenges that we have uh, so that maybe solutions to some of the challenges that we have can come from other countries. Yes. Um, so now that we have seen what positive masculinity entails, we would like to know more about what this campaign is meant to achieve because with our understanding of women empowerment and our societal context, we know that men and women are affected, although women are affected disproportionately, patriarchy has an effect of both of us. So I'm sure our listeners would just love to understand what this positive masculinity campaign is meant to achieve. Two things. First, what it means to achieve on the men themselves. Yes. We are talking about mental and social transformation so that all of the men that are engaged into the campaign adhere to a code of conduct and a policy to address issues. Number two, outside of the men, you have now impacts in four areas. How do you support women political participation in the country in terms of decision-making? How do you support women economic empowerment in terms of increasing the contribution of women in the wealth creation. If you look at the uh, Ugandan development uh, plan, you see that we say agro-industrialization, which means that a certain level of formalization of the economy to increase growth. How are women contributing to that wealth creation? Number three, reducing violence against women. So that's where we worked with organizations like Kotla, the Council for Traditional uh, Leaders in Africa, the chapter of, uh, of uh, Uganda, that to invest in looking at traditional level, what are our traditions that are negative in terms of gender equality? And then four, it's involvement of women in peace and security and reduction of conflicts in the country. We have had in the past civil war in the country that has still having impact on women. We have widows from that time. We have orphans from that time. How do you do as a man? 
whether you are in the Ministry of Defense, you are Ministry of Justice, you are Ministry of Gender and Social Affairs, as a man that holds power, how do you help women achieve results in those four areas is something that, uh, that uh, we look into. And also the achievement of the SDGs. And we are happy that in Uganda, the government has established a secretariat for the SDGs, placing the SDG as a, a very, very fundamental target that needs to be achieved. And we are happy that UN Women has placed a capacity in that secretariat in the form of monitoring evaluation to ensure that all of the uh, segments of the SDGs have gender components into them. And as the government reports back that we know what has been done and how gender has been integrated. So those are some of the elements that we expect from our people that are men that decide to support gender equality in the country. So much for that wonderful perspective because I know that when speaking about women empowerment, there's always the gap left when talking about men's role in it. So now that we've seen all of these developments in the Ugandan space, it is still a bit disappointing when we see certain um, things failing to take hold. Like, for example, in our most recent election, the members of parliament for the women have reduced. So we see even members of parliament discussing key legislation that is meant to advise, advance women's rights. Things like the Succession Act have only been um, passed in 2022. Things that should have been changed a long time ago. We've seen the sex offenses bill being facing much pushback time and time again from the same society that is claiming to want to protect women and advance women's rights. So we wanted to ask for your expert opinion. Why have things like this failed, why have men failed to see the importance for the advancement of women's rights in this day and age? Uh, to be honest, we are tackling the issue from both ends, eh? uh, because uh, pushing uh, our, our, on the men's side is one thing, but we are seriously empowering women as well. And we don't want to underestimate the investments of women in transforming that. Usually they say, you know, power is usually not given, it's grabbed. So yeah. women are working in Uganda to grab power as much as possible. But men are contributing big time. And one of these contribution is to look at uh, tra rooted tradition. How, uh, when, when you talk about the bills uh, that are, are, are tabled at the parliament for a long time. Some of them have been there for 10 years. So the recent progress that you have noticed in those bills come from the greater number of women in parliament. So increased representation is very, very slow, but it's coming. And it's a good thing that government has reserved seats. Now we want to go beyond the reserve seats to ensure that women, even when they don't have access to those reserve seats, they can compete for the open, open seats. The other, th uh, other thing is um, on the legislation side. We are seriously saddened by the time it takes for a gender-based violence case to be heard in court. Sometimes it takes like five years, 10 years. You have a girl that's been raped at 12, and the case is uh, open like when she's 20. Sometimes she's already married and the husband doesn't even know that she was raped before. 
and she's called back to say, okay, now your case is safe. So what we are doing is to ensure that we reduce the backlog to ensure, and we are happy with the Ministry of Justice opening like uh, special sessions for these, yes. uh, these uh, cases. And we are working towards a special court to make it like more permanent. And the role of men in those processes is very, very, very critical. So you are right. We are not happy with the rhythm. We are not happy with the pace that things are going, but we try as much as possible to involve actors. And we are happy with the response that we are getting from people willing to engage and invest in the, in the process. All right. So as we come to the end, we would like to ask, what is your hope for the future of female empowerment? What can be done to push us forward? And what would you hope that the generation coming after you can do better? Two things. Number one is internal. Number two is external. Uh, internally, we think that uh, working more with traditional leaders who change the game uh, because they hold power at traditional level. You will know that there's that competition between the positive legislation of Uganda in terms of the formal laws, etc., and the traditional uh, customs in our villages. And most of the time you take a typical people uh, person in the village, most of the time they go to the traditional, they don't go automatically to the official laws. So we need to reconcile these two. What the country is adopting as, uh, as law has to be more and more incorporating or diffused towards the tradition so that everybody needs to. Number two, yes. in that same vein, is uh, guidance <clears throat> for the legislation. When you take a, a magistrate or a judge in Uganda, Sometimes there is a fight in her, his head in terms of his own masculinity and what the law is saying. Yes. And sometimes you see, uh, you were seeing before rape cases where they were given like six months, they were given one year, etc., which is like the minimum. So we worked with the magistrates to, in, to in, ensure that the law is followed. Uh, we did something that's called um, plea bargaining guidelines. So that even when a, a, a perpetrator uh, confesses and, and, and negotiates a term, that term that they negotiate is still reasonable and not something like symbolic where the victim will see the perpetrator back in town less than six months after the act, which is like a bit demoralizing. So those things need to continue at country level to ensure that we close the loopholes and we close the gap that we are noticing that's very, very, very important. Externally, the hope is, for instance, the Generation Equality Forum that we did uh, globally by UN Women uh, last year with the support of Mexico and France. If you see the 40 plus billion commitment that have been made across the globe to support gender equality in the next three, five years, it, is, it, it gives me hope. It means that the humanity as a whole is understanding how detrimental gender inequality is. More 
or as much as other calamities that we know, like racism, uh, other discriminations. I think gender equality is a terrible catastrophe in humanity. And I'm happy that people are understanding that. We have also made a lot of success in speaking the right language. Uh, gender activists were closed into the legal language before. Now we have moved into economy, we have moved into security, we have moved into climate change, etc. speaking the language of people that have power so that our case is better understood, better articulated, better presented, then it has more chance in policy, it has more chance in terms of the funding mechanism. So all of these elements are signs that we are not where we want to go, but we are on the right track. Thank you so much. And once again, from all of us, thank you for giving us your time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Have a nice evening. Thank you. All right. So as we come to the end of this episode, we would just like to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening in and do not forget to catch the next episode that will be uploaded shortly. Thank you.